Stuart Holman here. Welcome to this second in our series of daily devotionals on the mission of Jesus, focusing on Luke chapter 4 and chapter 5. In our Growing Disciples program, our task together is to soak ourselves in God's Word so that we notice and we consider and we ponder and we talk with God about what we see as we read the Bible. In this way, we're asking God that we would know Jesus and his ways truly and in greater depth and in this way be changed by him. And so continuing then in Luke 4, picking up uh, today in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. Uh, notice again Luke's insistence that Jesus' ministry is empowered by the Holy Spirit, even as he teaches in the synagogues of Galilee in the northern parts of Israel. So what Jesus does is only in the power of the Holy Spirit. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. So Jesus' reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2, and actually also references uh, another two of the very well-known suffering servant king passages from that second part of the book of Isaiah, that part which prophesied hope to Israel even in their exile. Uh, back then, God was saying that he had not totally abandoned his people. Instead, he promised a, a new movement, a new work through his servant, uh, who initially seemed to be a renewed national Israel. But as Isaiah's series of servant songs progressed, it became clear that the servant would ultimately be an individual who would represent Israel and act on their behalf, an individual empowered by the Holy Spirit and with a ministry of both compassion and redemptive suffering, ultimately bringing about restoration. So at the synagogue on that day, that's the Bible reading that has, has been finished. Jesus has read it for them. And now comes the sermon, Jesus' sermon in verse 20. Uh, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. That's the the posture of a teacher is to sit. Uh, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now there's no doubt that everyone understood exactly what Jesus was saying, that he was the suffering servant promised by the prophet Isaiah. Uh, but more than a bold claim, this is actually a mission statement. This is what Jesus is about. Here is Jesus setting out a way of understanding who he was and what he was about. He already had a reputation as a healer and a miracle worker, giving sight to the blind and setting free those oppressed by demons. That's very clear from the following verses. 
But what Jesus is doing by quoting Isaiah is giving the people a biblical framework for understanding his miracles, his works of power, his healings and exorcisms mean something. They confirm his identity as the servant and they demonstrate God's compassion on the oppressed. And so if we really want to understand Jesus' mission on his own terms, we do well to revisit the suffering servant songs of the prophet Isaiah, which we did look at in the Growing Disciples course back in the month of June. And so if you were to click on the Bible readings menu just above this, uh, and then go to the past months button, scroll down to the June Bible readings, click on that, and you'll find a whole bunch more information. In the, in the June Bible readings, you need to scroll down to the Shedding Light section, and all of the Suffering Servant King passages are there set out for us. So, six centuries later, after Isaiah, Jesus declares in the synagogue of Nazareth that he is the Suffering Servant King, foretold by Isaiah. And this announcement initially draws a very positive response from his hometown crowd. Look at verse 22. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we've heard that you did in Capernaum. This is Jesus' reputation for great miracles, right? But, uh-oh, it looks like Jesus is not going to give his hometown crowd the show that they were anticipating. No doubt there were many who'd heard of his reputation for works of power, who had perhaps grown up alongside him in Nazareth, who knew his family, who, who might have expected some special blessing, some healing, some free food, or a spectacular display of power. But... Verse 24, nothing doing today. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and they took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Now, it's not clear just what happened at that moment then, just as the angry local mob were about to push Jesus over the cliff. Somehow or other, he just walks away, as if he's using one of those Jedi mind control tricks from Star Wars. No harm comes to Jesus, it would seem, because he has not yet fulfilled his God-given mission. Even a mob of angry locals will not get in his way, not until the job is done. And so Luke includes this important episode very early in Jesus' ministry because it provides the key to understanding all that follows. It's Jesus' interpretive key, not, not Luke's or anyone else's. It is Jesus who is here declaring his mission 
And it's a mission marked by compassion. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the deaf hear and the afflicted ones are set free. Jesus' mission, and I think by extrapolation our mission, should be marked by this kind of compassion. But it's also very clear that Jesus' works of compassion have a spiritual significance among a people unwilling and unable to seek God. There are many in this world who cannot see, cannot hear, cannot move themselves toward God. Satan has blinded, deafened and bound them. Compassionate care for the vulnerable is good and worthy. But Jesus' mission goes much, much further. He is bringing restoration to the whole person by means of forgiveness and reconciliation with God. We only continue on the mission of Jesus when we also share the gospel in a way that makes sense, that provides sight to the inwardly blind. God's word still needs a speaker. Jesus was certainly clear that his mission was to preach good news to the poor, the spiritually poor, who look to God for salvation. And the good news is that the day of salvation is dawning. Jesus has come. Those held prisoner are to be set free as whole people, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Through Jesus, many will see the truth of God's activity among them. The kingdom of God is breaking in. The oppressed are set free because the year of God's favour has finally arrived. Now is the time of salvation. And as we reflect further on this passage, we remember that Luke's purpose in writing his gospel is that its readers might have full assurance of their faith, their conviction that Jesus is God's Messiah, the anointed Son of God. And so Jesus' announcement of his mission right at the outset of his ministry and, and then I think mature reflection on everything that follows assure us that Jesus really is the suffering servant king promised by Isaiah. In our place and time, we would do well to frame our mission in relation to Jesus' mission. It won't be exactly the same, but surely it will echo and reverberate with the same key aspects which frame Jesus' mission. We will announce good news that offers freedom to the captives of sin and death. So what is it that propels your day to day? No doubt there are limitations and boundaries as to what you can do today. But we could see that as actually an opportunity. You see, within those limits, what's worth your precious time and energy? What is it that God would have you do today? What's your mission? Now, before you quickly dismiss that before you move on to something else today. Will you sit quietly and prayerfully with that thought for just one minute? What is God calling you to do, perhaps even today?